and clap. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. What's up? Ele- oh, 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 man. Didn't expect that. All right, I'll say it again. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Elevate. We meet at 7 p.m. every Friday. Uh, so thank you for coming, right? As you know, right, we are in person. So if you're online and you've been wondering what's, what's going on with Elevate, no need to wonder anymore. We're meeting at the building again. So feel free to come. Oh, thank you, Will. Matt, Will is so strong. So strong. Yeah, so much strength. So before I continue with uh, the, the message, uh, we have a special guest who's going to give us uh, a bit of info that you should be interested in. Uh, and with a round of applause, everyone welcome Ashley Munoz. <laughs> amen, amen. So Ashley, she's going to let us know about TBQ. And if you're like, TBQ, is that like a burrito place? It's not a burrito place, but it's better, all right? It's better. So Ashley, why don't you let us know about TBQ? Thank you so much. So TBQ is Teen Bible Quiz, and it's the next step after JBQ, which is Junior Bible Quiz. We had a team last year that ranked fourth place and up, and it's a national competition where quizzers memorize scriptures and answer questions. Now, we have two people in the room that did JBQ. If they want to make some noise, woo, I'll do it for them. They ranked pretty high. I'm not sure. I think they were, you were number two? She was second place. Olivia, do you remember? At least top 20. So we're ranking with things like that about memorizing scriptures and answering questions. Now, Teen Bible Quiz is for grades 6th through 12th grade, and it's a little more, uh, more of a push with it. Uh, so you memorize a chapter of the New Testament, and you are quizzed on scripture in that. So you're memorizing scripture. And why is that important? Because it's part of discipleship. Hiding those words in your heart so that when you grow older, you do not depart. So you will be able to talk to people. And it's not just about, well, we're going to win. I don't think these ladies went out there and was like, we're going to crush the competition. They said, no, we're going to give God the glory. And this is a way you can do that by showing out for Jesus and giving him all the glory and it's such a great thing to do, and we're going to have two wonderful coaches for Teen Bible Quiz, and it's going to be Jackie and Lawrence. So you're going to meet Fridays um, from 5.30 to 6.30, and you're going to be quizzing, and we have an awesome buzzer board. It's a group of, a team of four people, and they'll ask you questions like give you the subheading of one chapter of the Bible, and they will ask you to quote three consecutive verses from that chapter. And it gets really great. You can go from district to regionals to national competition. And do you know what else comes with that? How many people want to go to college? You can get scholarships through TBQ for your rank and for your participation in Teen Bible Quiz. Now, if you want to give God the glory, if you want to compete, if you want to have great fun, I think it's fun to go through. Um, They're also my assistant coaches for JBQ, so they are passing on that knowledge and giving back um, to the younger students that they're working with. So if you want to do that, contact Jackie and Lawrence, contact me, I'm Ashley, but I'm excited to see all that God will do in your lives in this season. Thank you so much for having me here today. 
Give a hand clap for Ashley. She's so dope. So some of you may be like, man, but I don't really even know the Bible that much, you know? Like, I just know Jesus wept, and that's it. That's the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But it's also an opportunity for you to learn more about the Bible. You may not be the best at the moment of knowing Scripture and everything, uh, but understand that the Word, right, brings faith, right? Without the Word of God, we wouldn't really be able to have faith. So it's something that if you want to grow in, in, in your knowledge of the Word of God, then I definitely guarantee you, I, guarantee, I recommend you try it and see how it is, see how you like it, right? But anyway, praise God. It's good to be here on a Friday night. Let me hear a little uh, what, what? Let me hear a what, what? That's weak, weak, weak. Elevate! 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 Elevado! Elevado! Que, que? Okay, all right. Anybody can rap in here? Come up here, bro. Oh, no? No? Jay, you rap. Spit a, spit a freestyle for the Lord real quick. Spit a freestyle for the Lord real quick. You got to come up here, though. Anybody want to battle Jay to see who can give God more glory? Who wants to battle Jay to see who can give God more glory? All right, TJ. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right, so, so Jay's going to go first, right? They're not going to diss each other, all right? But they're going to see who can be, like, who can give God the most glory in their freestyle, right? So after that, I'm going to be like, I'm going to raise my, hand, my left hand for Jade. And if you think Jade won, make some noise. I'm going to raise my right hand for TJ. And if you think TJ won, you make some noise, all right? So Jade, go ahead. You want to start off? Christ every day and night. I'm telling people about the king that's right. Yo, I'm stomping on the devil's head every day. Hey, living holy, living righteous for the king. Yeah. Yo, yo, Jesus Messiah. You know we living him 
higher. Hey, yo, we lifting him higher. We lifting him higher. We lifting him higher. Hey, 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 we lifting him higher. We lifting him higher. We lifting him higher. Hey, hey, we lifting him higher. We lifting him higher. We lifting him higher. Hey, hey, we lifting him higher. We lifted him higher. We lifted him higher. Amen, amen, amen. If you think, if you think Jade One makes some noise, if you think TJ One makes some noise, all right. It looks like, it looks like TJ One. That means, boys, we get a free pizza party. Now I'm just kidding, half kid, <laughs> half kid. Maybe we'll do something like that. Hey, I'm a, I'm a little loud. I think you raised it. because. The... Uh, praise God. Uh, TJ, man. Hey, hey. Hey, TJ just improvised, okay? He improvised. He was freestyling. He started getting a little too free with his style, and that's okay. He got real free, real free. Amen, amen. All right, that was, that was awesome, okay? If you like to rap... Uh, Come ready. Come ready. Maybe, maybe you'll get to go against, you know, Lawrence. You know, or you want to go against Lawrence? But we see we don't diss each other. We just lift up his name, all right? That's what we do, all right? So uh, the sermon today is going to be his heart for the church. If we can get the slide up there, my good man, this, it's going to be his heart for the church. Everybody say, for the church. Everybody say, for the church, right? So that, that is what we're going to talk about today. Last week, uh, we learned about God's heart for you, for you. So everybody, point to you. <laughs> Not me, you. Point to you. I'm <laughs> just kidding, half kid. Point to your neighbor. Point to yourself. God's heart for you. That's what we talked about last week and how he is jealous for you. Today, we will learn about God's heart for the church now, if you understand that God loves everyone, say amen. amen. If you understand that God loves everyone, say amen. 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 So that is a thing taught in the Bible that is important. You won't find that in any other religion, God loving people that hate him. You won't find that in any other religion. However, in our word, our scripture, we find out that God loves everyone. But there is a special love for the church, a special love for the church. You see, because the church is made of a people that have received his love. They've received his love. So there is a special love for those who receive his love. I'll give you a, a little analogy, right? Let's say there's a mother, okay, and she has two sons. Now, she loves both these sons equally, the mother chooses to show that to their sons, so to her sons. So she shows love to one son. She shows the equal amount of love to the other. Now, one son can't stand his mom, gets annoyed, doesn't want his mom to love him, rejects his, her love. The other son receives her love, welcomes her love. Now, during their life, because one of the sons keeps rejecting his mom's love, they don't ever... He never feels his mom's love. He never understands his mom's love, his mom's love because he continues to reject it. But the one who receives her love, that son, 
begins to experience in his life. You know, when she goes outside, right, the son goes with her because he loves her because he's experienced her love. It's not that the mom's love for the other child is, is lacking, but it's just that that son has been receiving her love more than the other one. So understand when it comes to the church and everybody else in the world, everybody else in the world has rejected God's love, but the church has decided to receive it. So now God is letting us experience his love. We're not just hearing about his love. We're not just reading about his love, but we're experiencing it in our life. While the world, all they can do is hear and, and maybe read about it, but never experience it, just like the son who rejects it. Everybody understand that analogy? A lot of people think that people go to hell because God does not love them. No, people go to hell because they've rejected his love. You see, eternal life is a, it's not a, it's not a right that we are automatically born with. Understand that. It is a right that we are given. It is a right that we are given for those that are, uh, for those that were given the right to be called children of God. It's a right. It's a, it's a right that you have to be given. It is a form of expression of love being shown. So no one is born, right, being like, you know, oh. Like, I, I just received God's love. No, the Bible says actually we're born into sin. And that we, right, need to receive God's love. We need to repent and accept it. Until then, we've been rejecting it. Amen? So understand today, we're going to be talking about that special love that God has for his church. Matter of fact, we're going to be talking about Jesus' heart for the church. Now, the Jesus' heart for the church is for us to be one. Everybody say one. Everybody say One. And then his heart for the church is for us to know his love. Everybody say, know his love. And then his heart for the church is for us to see his glory. Everybody say, see his glory. If we can go to John chapter 17, verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20 takes place right after Jesus just finished praying for his disciples, the 12. So he's praying for them, and, and he, he's saying all these things, right? He's saying that he wants them not to be taken from the world, to be able to overcome the world, for them to, 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 to know that they are not alone, right? And he's praying for them. Understand when Jesus prays, right, people are like, but he's God. How is he praying? Well, we believe in the Trinity, that there's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Spirit, and that the Father is in relationship with the Son, the Son's in relationship with the Spirit, and the Spirit's in relationship with the Father, and together they are one, right? And we're, we're about to talk about being one. So right after the prayer, or right at the end of the prayer for the apostles, he says this, my prayer for them, uh, my prayer is not for them to be alone. Wait, let me say that. My prayer is not for them alone. So he's saying, I don't just pray for the, uh, the disciples like Peter, uh, Peter, John, James, the other James, Thaddeus, all those guys. He's not just praying for them, but he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So who are those who believe in me through their message? That's us, the church. So understand that he's praying for those that when he now ascends to heaven, they're going to be hearing the message. So people like Philip, if you've ever read the book, uh, the book of Acts, people like Paul, right? People that believe the message that the apostles have taught, right? Well, not Paul specifically, but, but all those people that heard it, talking about Timothy, Philip, and all those guys. So, but then also Jorge and TJ and Will and Brian 
and Nathan and Kirsten, right? All the people that have believed this message. So this is for the church. Everybody say, the church. And what does he say? He says that, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. That's a bar, but everybody say unity. 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 Then the world will know that you have sent me and, you have, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Everybody say love. love. Father, I want those, who, uh, those you have given me to be with where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. All right, if everyone can bow their heads, close their eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, God, that you teach us by your grace, Lord. We have the ability by your spirit to live for you, God. We have the spirit that has risen Christ from the dead. So, Father, help us, God, to understand your word, to apply it to our lives. I pray that none of us would be prideful, ignoring the areas in which we should apply this word, but everyone would be humble, understanding that we need you every single day of our lives to teach us, to help us, to guide us, Lord. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, right? So here we see that Jesus wants us, right? Well, Jesus desires us to be one. Everybody say one. Now, one was repeated like five times in here, so understand that that's very important. When you see in the Bible someone saying something like literally like five, six, seven times, understand that they mean something. It's like when your mom, when she keeps telling you, clean up, clean up, clean up, understand that she probably wants you to clean up. She wants you to catch that, okay? So understand that Jesus, he's saying one because he wants us to catch that. Now, what does it mean to be one, right? What does it mean for the church to be one? Does that mean that all of a sudden, Will is like, okay, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get like, I'm going to like put some clothes together so that we can like, I can wear one half of the shirt, you can wear the other, and then we can get in a suit and be one like that. No, that's not what it means. What does it mean to be one? Does it mean that we have to dress the same now, that we have to eat the same foods, and if we don't, then, you know, we're going to go to hell, like, or we're, not, we're disobeying Jesus? What does it mean to be one? Well, one here is speaking of purpose, right? One purpose, speaking of love, one love, right? And then speaking of life, so one life. So it's not talking about preferences, right? So a lot of people think that if someone doesn't think the same way I do in terms of, like, music, in terms of fashion, in terms of food, then maybe I can't really have a relationship with them. You see, Jesus right there is squashing that because that's a problem that I see in the church and sometimes in Elevate, that we only mess with people that we feel are like us. But not in a godly sense, like this person loves God and this person loves God. But we only mess with people that talk like us, right, that walk like us. And we kind of ignore people that aren't like us. And you see, that's, that's what Jesus doesn't want. Jesus wants us to be one in purpose. What is the purpose of us being one? It's the mission of the gospel. You see, your fashion, your likes of sports, everything else is literally doo-doo compared to the mission of the gospel, the mission of the gospel to spread the good news to all of creation. 
That is the purpose of the church. So we have to be one in that purpose. If I'm saying this is my purpose and you're saying, no, well, that's my, not my purpose, then, hey, there's something's off. Something's off. The Holy Spirit is telling me through this word that our purpose is to spread the gospel, make disciples. And you're saying your purpose is to, you know, be the best athlete you can be, to be the number one student where you don't go to church, where you don't preach because you don't want to offend anybody. Like, that's my life, just to be nice, right? That's my purpose in Jesus, just to be a nice person. Being nice is cool, but that's not the purpose. We're, we, we have to get back to this one purpose. You may, and, and, then, and then also one love, right? A lot of times you see people not being loved in church or in Elevate because they look different, because they act different. They may be a little bit more quiet than the rest of us. So what do we do? We, we ignore them. And that's, that's wrong because we're actually supposed to love each other because the love that we have for each other has nothing to do with ourselves or, or them. It actually has to do with God. So we have to be one in purpose, one in love, and that's the love for each other and that God has given us. Then life, right? A lot of us, we, we, we live different lives. And, we, and, and let, me, let me clarify that. We all do live different lives. Like I'm a, I'm a PE teacher, okay? That's, that's what I do outside of church, right? But even my wife, who I'm married to, she's not a PE teacher. So I don't expect her to come out of nowhere with a whistle, start like, you know, blowing the whistle in, in my gym. No, no, I don't expect her. She, she does what she does. She's a nanny. She's going to become a social worker, right? So those are different lives in a sense. But I'm not talking about that. You see, there's a life that we as Christians have to live. It's an upright life. It's a life of holiness. So we have one, one purpose, and that's the mission of the gospel. One love, and that's the love that God has given us that we share to others. And one life, and that's the life of holiness. A life that looks like Christ's life, life of Christ. That's our life, right? So that's one. That's how we have to be one, right? But this is all dictated by another thing. Everybody say, in Christ. Everybody say, in him. So there's a little triangle in here, no Illuminati, no Illuminati, but there's a triangle right here, and it says, in him. You see, everything that we do as Christians has to be in him. And when we look in this passage, you know, Jesus is saying some stuff like that, that all of them, he's praying that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So we have to be in Christ. And he says that later on in the, the verses later, that we would be in him. So in Christ, us in Christ, what does that mean? Well, understand the church is not just a building. Actually, the church is not a building. The church is not a building. If you ever look in the book of Acts, right, the believers, they would meet anywhere they could meet. Now, I guarantee you that if they could meet in a building, they would meet in a building. So for those watching online, they're like, why are y'all meeting in a building, man? You're going to spread COVID, you know? Just meet online, man. That's cool. Understand this, that... The gospel and, and the church was never meant to just be online, right? If Paul was willing to risk change to go to nations, right, to risk being killed to go to nations, I guarantee you there was diseases a lot worse than COVID back then. I mean, they didn't have all the shots that we had. You know, they didn't have vaccinations, okay? Like, understand that they were touching lepers, and they were healing lepers. So understand that the church is not afraid of diseases, but we, we're doing this out of respect for the city. But... Understand this, that us in Christ, the church is not a building. The church is the body of believers, the gathered believers, okay? So the church is made up of people that have believed the message that the apostles taught that Christ uh, made. 
That is the church. But what is the analogy often given to the church? What are, what are two things the church is often called? Two th- and it starts with a B. The body, but it's not just a body. What's the other one? Bride. Good stuff. The bride. The bride of Christ. The church is called the bride of Christ. How many of y'all married in here? Amen. I, I, don't raise your hand, Anthony. Not, not yet. Not yet. Right? So understand, right, when you're married, there is a love for your wife that you have that is different than any love for anyone else. Like, I love TJ, right? I love Will. I love Lawrence. But I love Karina more than I love them. <laughs> Amen? That's not, that's not weird, right? People, I don't know if someone would actually say, no, you're supposed to love everyone equally. Like, you, well, you're just not married. You don't understand then yet. So I love my wife more than I love TJ and Will. If it came to TJ, Will, and Lawrence, about to get shot, right? And let's say, let's throw, let's, let's throw like Kelvin Oscar in there. All my guys, right? Let's throw all my guys in there, okay? And, but Karina was all the way over here, and she was about to be shot. I would probably skip all of them, just saying, to save Karina. I, like, like, there is a love, right? I'm sorry, Lawrence. I'm sorry, right? Now, understand this, that Jesus loves the church as a husband loves his bride. So some of us may be like, oh, that's not that much because a lot of husbands cheat on brides, right? Like a lot of husbands be cheating on their wives. A lot of husbands be domestically, you know, abusing their wives, right? So, so that's not really saying much. But understand this, though. It's, it's, it's not tampered. It's not a perverted love. It's not a selfish love. You see... If we go to Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, it explains just what his heart is as, the, as the, uh, the groom is to the bride. So as the groom of Christ, right, well, Christ is the groom, he's explaining his love through Paul for the church, his love for the bride. So let's go there, Ephesians 5, chapter 25 to 27. It says right there, husband, so this is instruction. This is so, so a lot of people... We think we can just make marriage how we want to make it, but, but no, it's, it's going to falter if it's not followed after this, okay? So if your parents have gone through a divorce, don't blame God, don't blame marriage, blame them because they didn't follow this guideline, right? It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So understand that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Then it continues to say how we should do the same thing now. We should give ourselves up. So, so what is Christ's love for the church? What is Christ's heart for the church? Well, he sees the church as the bride. And he gives himself up for her. Understand, right? That, that, is, that is a beautiful thing, right? Everybody heard the story of Adam and Eve? In the beginning, right, God created man, male and female. When it goes into description of that, it says that Adam knew Eve and they were one flesh. So understand now that Christ and the church have to be one. That means Christ has to live in us. He has to be in us. Now, a lot of people don't get that, right? And I won't go into detail about it, but just as a husband loves his wife, Christ loves the church, all right? They're one. They're one. Now, that's some good love right there. That's some love that you can trust. That's some love that you can say, okay, 
That means something. That changes something. So God loves us, all right, like that, and, uh, it, and he's one with us, but it's, it's, it's not a unity that is just dictated on, like, us, but it has to be both. So you have the church being one in itself, and then you have Christ. So a lot of times you have cults. Anybody ever heard of Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses? So they may be one, right? They may be like, man, we're thinking the same, we're doing the same thing, yeah, we're on it, but they're not one with Christ. You see, back to now the body illustration. What's a body, what's a head without a body? What's a head without a body? The body ain't going nowhere without the head. So a lot of these churches don't, aren't connected to the head. They may be acting like each other, but they don't know about what the groom is saying. They don't know about what the head is saying. So understand this, that the Complete unity seen in this scripture is talking about both Christ, being one with Christ, and being one with each other. So we're not just, I was telling someone, uh, I forgot when I was evangelizing, forgot who, but they're like, man, he was like, I think I said this last week, but he said, man, you, you don't even think for yourself. I'm like, you're right, I don't think for myself. I want Christ to think for me. I want the head to think for me. Because if I am separated from the head, I don't know where I'm going in life. So I have to be connected to the head. The church has to be connected to the groom, right? We are one, all right? So understand that the church is not a building, but it's the gathering of believers that are unified, completely unified, because they're connected not just to each other's one, but they're one with Christ. So elevate, are you one? Are you one in purpose, one in love, one in life, right? Or are you doing your own stuff? You got your own thoughts, you got your own desires, you got your own heart. You don't care about the person next to you. You're just out for your own good, right? That's not how it is. And we're going to get to that because Jesus wants, to know, wants us to know that we are loved. You see, Jesus in here talks about how, the, uh, if we can go back to the John 17, he wants us to know that we are loved just as Jesus is loved. So say, Jesus is loved. Say, we're loved that much. Say, Jesus is loved, we're loved that much. You see, the Father loves Jesus. Anyone who denies this is kind of weird, but the Father loves Jesus. Jesus is saying, God, I want them to know that as you have loved me, that you have loved them. So Jesus wants us to know this love. That's his heart for us, that we would, he would, that we would know that we are loved not just loved by our neighbor, loved by society. No, 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 all that stuff is meaningless. We're literally loved by the creator of the world. And how much love has he given us? Has he given us just a little bit of love? Like he loves Will this much, but he loves Nathan this much. He loves Jesus this much, but he loves the church this much. No, as much love as he's shown Jesus and he's, as he's given Jesus, the Father now has given to the church. He loves us. We are loved. Not only do we know, right, that we are loved, and we should know that, but he wants us to understand this, that the world will know that we are loved. That the world will know that we are loved. Because when you are loved, it changes something about you. You ever seen someone that don't got no love? They don't show no love. Someone that has not been loved cannot possibly show love. Someone who has been loved is able and capable to show love. 
You ever seen like those commercials? And it, it's a, to me, this is what I think of. You ever seen like those dogs that have been, you know, raggedy and they're afraid of everyone that meets them? They try to bite anyone. You put them in a good home, and all of a sudden they're the best dogs in the world, right? Those are dogs. We get to people, right? You ever seen a person that, that's lonely, depressed, doesn't talk to nobody, and they don't really care about anybody or anybody else? A lot of times you look at, well, they haven't been loved. They don't know love. And what does is, what is being loved do? Well, a lot of times, because we're not loved, we look for love in everywhere else. So the world sees a Christian, and they're like, okay, well, how do I know this person's a Christian if, man, this, this dude's trying to get with every girl. He, he can never be single. How am I supposed to know this, this girl's Christian when she talks to every dude? How am I supposed to know this person's Christian when all they do is try to please people? You see, when you know you are loved, you are satisfied. You're satisfied. Now, instead of now focusing like, what can you give me? How can you love me? How can you love me? You're saying, how can I love this person? How can I love this person? So not only do we know we are loved, but the world should know that we are loved. When you are loved, love changes your attitude. Love changes your perception. Love changes your confidence. And people notice these things. People notice these things. When you know you're a child of God and you're loved by the Father, you walk different. You talk different. You act different. Life is different. So Jesus wants, to, wants, us, to, wants us to know that we are loved because there's going to be a time in this world, and it's happening now, where there's almost no love, where there's no love for people, where people just live for themselves. People just want to love themselves. And you're going to be in that moment. And what are you going to rely on? You're going to rely on his love, the love that he's given us. John, uh, 1 John 4, uh, 4, verse 21, or verse, yes, verse 21, it says this, that we love, that uh, it says, no, ver- my bad, verse 19. I was going to read a little bit more, but just to save time, we love because he first loved us. So understand that we love not because of anything else other than God has loved us first. So God wants us to know that love, that love that is a first love. Jesus is praying that we would know that, that we would know that. Amen? So everybody say, God loves us. God loves us. Jesus wants us to know that. He wants us to know that deeply, this love that is inseparable. The Bible says that there is nothing in this earth or in the heavens, no, uh, no sickness, nothing in death, no nakedness, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So this love is greater than any love on earth, greater than any evil on earth, greater than any hate on earth, this love surpasses even understanding. And Jesus is praying that we would know this love. You see, a lot of us, this is what we're missing. We're missing the knowledge of his love. So do you know his love for the church? Do you know his love for the church? That he would give himself up for you. That he, right, would be willing to die for you. When you weren't even a part of the church. Understand that the people in the church, he loved before they were in the church. That's the love of God, the love of the Father, that the Father loves us as much as he loves Jesus. Now, the next thing is something that we don't think about a lot, but Jesus, his heart for us is to see his glory. 
to see his glory. Everybody say glory. Everybody say glory. glory. So Jesus does not want to withhold anything from us. A lot of times people, they think heaven is all the gospel is about. And I mean, part of that is the reason is how the church is preached. The church is preached, it's just heaven or hell. But what makes heaven special? What makes heaven a place that you want to be at? What makes the gospel so awesome? What makes God's gift so valuable? The answer is Jesus and his glory. Jesus and his glory. You see, what the saints of the, of the Bible times believed in was that there was going to be a time where God's glory was going to be seen. And that his glory was going to almost like envelope us. It was going to like basically cover us, change us from the inside out. A lot of people don't think about that. What makes God so amazing? It's, it's his glory. And what is God going to cover us in? His glory. His glory. Now, it, it, this is for the church. So a lot of people probably aren't. Don't care about that, but think about that. We've been in this earth with sickness, death, suffering. Just the other, uh, just the other month, a nine-year-old that I used to teach at by the hand, he was shot, killed, playing in a playground. Broke my heart, but understand this, that if he believed in Christ, if he was born again, he's going to wake up to Christ. He's going to see his glory. He's going to be covered in his glory on the day of, of the, the day of judgment or the day of salvation. So understand this, that this life of suffering, this life of pain, this life of sickness, you see Christ, what he's going to do for his people, if we can go to 1 Thessalonians uh, verse 5 through 10, this is what Jesus wants us to know. Actually, my bad, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 5 through 10. This is what Jesus' heart is for us and what he wants us to know. He wants us to know, obviously, to be one, that, he, that, that, the, that the church is loved. The church has to be one. The church should know that they are loved, but the church will see his glory. The church will see his glory. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, it says this, All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are suffering. If you go through anything, right, count as suffering for Christ. Count as suffering for Christ because, listen, the enemy wants to use every single issue that's in your life to deter you from Christ. Now, the suffering for Christ... Uh, which you are suffering, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. So there's a day of judgment. We won't talk much about that, right, because we're talking about the church. But there's a day of judgment for those that don't know Jesus uh, and that trouble believers. God is going to reward them for what they deserve. And he's going to give relief to those who are troubled and to you as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. Jesus ain't coming to get crucified again, guys. Oh, he's coming, and he's coming like blazing fire. Like, just picture that for a second. Jesus coming out of the heavens. I don't know if y'all saw the storm last week. That storm ain't got nothing. That storm ain't got nothing. My wife was in that storm, and that storm was flipping cars, taking trees out from its roots. Well, not from its roots, but breaking trees in half. 
That storm ain't got nothing. There's going to be blazing fire. Jesus is coming. The angels that could have killed everyone at that time when he was crucified, yeah, they were saved up for this special moment. And with his powerful angels, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Just to uh, help that, the illustration that I gave earlier, he will punish those who do not uh, know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That means people who have rejected his love, rejected his message. And then it says... And from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people. In his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. You see, Paul is talking exactly about this prayer that when Jesus returns, right, he's going to meet this. We're going to know this part of his heart that his glory would be seen in us. Jesus said that on that day that his people would shine like the sun. We would be glorified that these weak bodies that are prone to sickness, prone to disease, prone to death, would be clothed in glory. What makes God glorious? Think about that. That's going to be on us. And Jesus wants us to know we're going to see that day. We're going to see that day. So as a Christian, right? As a Christian, think about this. Will you see his glory? Are you excited to see his glory? That speaks a lot to whether you're a part of the church. That speaks a lot to whether you are saved, whether you have actually believed this message. Because I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day when you're going to school and someone picks on you for your faith, mocks you, starts to question your humanity, because you believe in the gospel and the things that it says about mankind. Dude, all you do is got to look towards that glorious day. You just got to look towards that day when you will be glorified. Now, all in all, God's heart for the church, if I can have Lawrence come up to the keys, please. God's heart for the church is to be one with him so that they may know him, his love, and see his glory. That's God's heart for the church, that they would be one in him, that they would know him, his love, and see his glory. That's his heart. That's his heart revealed in this prayer. You see, when people pray, you see their heart. Jesus is showing you his heart in this time. We were privileged to see Jesus pray right now. When I read this verse for this, uh, this pastor for the first time, I flipped out. I was like, bro, this is Jesus' heart. This is Jesus speaking to the Father about us. Come on, guys. Jesus wants us to know his heart for us. If I can have uh, the altar workers up, please. Now, here's the thing. The application to this is simple. You have to be born again. You have to be a child of God before you can receive the things of a child of God, right? You have to be born again. This is another thing. Leave your life behind. Find your life in Christ. You cannot be one in the church, one with Christ, if you're still holding on to your life. Leave your life behind. Forsake it. Forget it. It can't save you. The things that you're living for cannot save you, but Christ can. Leave your life. Find your life in Christ. Find your life in Christ. That way you can be one with the church and one with him. 
learn more about God's love. You ha all have a Bible, and if you don't have a Bible, come see one of us. Learn more about God's love. Learn more about God's love. Memorize verses about God's love. Pray about it. Say prayers proclaiming God's love for you. You see, you don't know this, but in China, when they were in jail, this, that's how they got around. That's how they survived jail. That's how they didn't go crazy was because they would write verses down talking about God's love, and they would memorize it, talk about his promises, how he loves them. And then they would be in joy. I mean, that is just beautiful. God's love. Learn more about that. Learn more about God's love. Next, last, look towards the glory of God. As a church, we should be applying that to our lives. We should be not looking for our own selfish ambition, but seeking the kingdom and righteousness. We should be... Uh, for uh, learning more about God's love, we should be looking towards the glory of God. We should be doing these things as a church. If you guys could stand up, please. Now, this was uh, mostly directed towards people that are already part of the church, that are already saved. They're born again. They believe that Jesus died, that he resurrected, he ascended to heaven. They believe in Christ. They're trusting in him with everything. That's the church. If you're not a part of the church, this is what I say to you, right? Believe in Christ. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died and he rose again, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. If you want more questions about that or you, you doubt whether you're saved, I encourage you to come up. The Bible says that, that people, right, like leaders in the church, they're able to pray for you so that you can have confidence, right, so you can be restored. So if you're doubting that, right, or you're just not saved at all, these altar workers are here with you to explain the gospel and pray for you. Now, for those that are a part of the church, right, but you're not really one with people, like you really got problems with people in this, in this church. You're looking at people sideways, you're not one with people like, like the scripture says to be. You're not one in love. Then you're not one in purpose. Your purpose is not the mission of the gospel. It's the mission of yourself. You're living for yourself. You're living for the money. You're living for the bad. You're living for all these other things. Or you're part of the church, right? You believe in Jesus, but you're not looking forward to his glory at all. Glory of God does not excite you. The glory of God doesn't bring you any joy. Listen, this altar calls for you. Because Jesus wanted you to be one. He wanted you to understand what being one meant. Complete unity. So if everyone can bow their heads, close their eyes, the altar call is open for you. But as Lauren sings, I want you to consider what I just said. Are you a part of the church? If you are a part of the church, do you meet Jesus' prayer? Are you, do you see yourself in the prayer of Jesus? This is right before he was crucified. He's praying. This is what's on his mind before he's crucified. He's praying for the believers. He's praying for the believers. He's praying for you. He's praying for me.